Amen. Well, good morning again and again. Welcome to Liberty Church. I am honored and excited that you're here today. And this morning, I'm fired up because we're going to continue a series that we began last Sunday entitled Winning the War Within. And we began talking about last week how that uh, what we're going to learn through this series is how science and scripture actually work together, right? Isn't it good to know that science doesn't oppose scripture? As a matter of fact, science is daily discovering things through technology that are continuing to affirm what we already know to be true through the Word of God. Amen? And so we're going to dive into this study today, and let me go ahead and recommend to you the book uh, by Dr. Caroline Leaf. I think we've got a picture of it. There it is. Switch on your brain. Uh, this book was really the inspiration of what we're going to be talking about, or a lot of what we're going to talk about. Uh, and if you want to go really a little more in-depth into the medical side and the scientific side that supports the scriptures and the truths that we know and we believe as followers of Christ, I'd encourage you to pick up this book. One of my favorite quotes uh, by Dr. Leaf is simply this. She said, anytime I discover something in science that contradicts scripture, she says, I know that I have an incomplete picture in science. She says, anytime I discover anything in science that contradicts Scripture, I know I have an incomplete picture of my science. She said, I know there's more that needs to be discovered because God's Word is true. How many believe God's Word is true today? Amen? Well, I'm so excited about the Word of the Lord this morning. So look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. And let me just say to you, if you were not here last Sunday, let me encourage you to go out and listen to last Sunday's message. Part 1 is going to kind of blow your mind just a little bit. We laid some foundational truths. I'm going to revisit some of those thoughts very quickly. I'm just going to reread some truths that we talked about last week. But you need to take a deep dive into what we talked about last Sunday so you can grab hold of the fullness of this message and really see the power of God, the transformational power of God manifested in your life. So if you didn't listen to that or you weren't here last Sunday, check it out on YouTube, Facebook, app, wherever you want to go. You can grab it wherever you're at. Romans chapter 5 verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature or your flesh or your carnal nature or your natural senses control your mind leads to death. To be carnally minded is death. But look what it says. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Look at that first point, just a real quick revisit. We said last week our foundational thought for this entire study is simply this. Whoever wins the battle for your mind wins the war for your daily life. Whoever wins the battle for your mind wins the war for your daily life. And remember we talked about how that your mind is really your soul. It's your thoughts. And you are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Bible uses three words to talk about your soul. It uses the word soul. It uses the word heart. And it uses the word mind. And we said we're going to try just to clarify for this entire study, we're going to try to use the phrase your mind in reference to your soul and your heart. Because I mean, you know when Jesus said you got to believe in your heart, he wasn't talking about your blood pumping organ. He was talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soulish realm in which decisions and choices are made, in which your thoughts are originated. 
So we recognized last week as we started kind of diving into this that you literally are rich or poor financially. You are literally healthy or unhealthy physically. You are either joyfully or depressed emotionally. You are either relationally fulfilled or relationally dysfunctional. You are victorious and defeated. You are spiritual or carnal, all based on your thoughts. That's why the Bible says that we have to repent, change the way we think. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, Jesus said. John the Baptist said, repent. Jesus said, repent. The word repent does not mean change your direction. It means change your thinking, which changes your direction. The directional change of your life is the result of you changing the way you think and coming into agreement with the Word and the truth of God. So we kind of made this statement last Sunday. We said if you have financial problems, you probably really don't have financial problems. you got thinking problems. If you have relationship problems, you don't have relationship problems. You have thinking problems. If you have physical problems, how many know that there are many physical problems that are 100% the direct result of the choices and decisions that we make? And if you're having physical problems based from the choices and decisions that you make, and science is actually, the American Medical Association said that 75 to 90% of doctor visits are directly related to a person's thinking, not their physical health. And so if you have a physical problem, you probably don't have a physical problem. you got a thinking problem. And if you're struggling with a stronghold of sin in your life, you don't have a sin problem. you got a thinking problem. Let me give you some good news today. There's a remedy for sin. His name is Jesus. <laughs> There's power over sin. His name is the Holy Spirit. There's authority over the things of this world. It's called the Word of God. You don't have a sin problem. You've got a thinking problem. And unless we change the way we think, nothing ever really changes. Now, let me just revisit a couple thoughts. I'm just going to read it to you this morning. So I want you to remember this. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is eternal, but your brain is temporal. Your brain is the control center for your body. Everything that happens in your body happens through your brain. Everything that you feel, sense, taste, and experience comes through your brain. But your mind is the control center for your brain. Your brain is ruled by your mind, not the other way around. Your brain is not the originator of thoughts. Your soul is the originator of thoughts. You're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And it is that soulless realm, that realm of your thought, your mind, your will, and your emotions that rules your brain. And we said last week, your thoughts, your choices, feelings create neurological pathways, scientifically proven neurological pathways in your brain that create your habits and your health. And so if you want to know how to break some ungodly habits and you want to know how to change the well-being, literally the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual health of your life, you need to go back and listen to last Sunday's message because we kind of laid the foundation for those truths as we literally recognize how our thoughts create pathways in our brain that control our lives amen so proverbs 4 23 says this guard your heart right not your blood pumping organ guard your heart your soul your mind your will your emotions guard your mind above all else your thoughts because it determines the course of your life the course of your life is directed and dictated by the thoughts that you think 
Now, we're going to look at one of the last thoughts we talked about last week, and that's going to be our starting point for this week. So look at that next point on your outline. It's probably the first point that you have. So your thoughts literally change the shape, physical shape of your brain. And your thoughts determine how your DNA is expressed. This is called epigenetic modification. I told you last Sunday that's probably the biggest word I've ever used in 29 years of preaching. I'm so proud of myself. (laughs) Epigenetic modification. We're going to dive into what that looks like. And today we're going to see how our thoughts literally change the shape of our brain, which is temporal, that controls our body, and how that our thoughts literally change how our DNA, the genes in our body, are literally expressed and activated, and how they work to create liberty and freedom or bondage and destruction. And we're going to see that today from the Word of God. Look with me at Romans 12, 2. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Romans 12, 2, says, And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't live like the world. How many know the secret to not acting like the world, talking like the world, living like the world, is you got to stop thinking like the world. Because <laughs> if you think like the world, you'll act like the world. If you think like the world, you'll talk like the world. If you think like the world, you'll behave like the world. So don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you. The word in the Greek is metamorphos. We get our word metamorphosis. Let God metamorphosize you by the renewing of your mind. NLT says by letting God change the way you think. We have to let God change the way our think. Now, when you think about that word metamorphosis, it's awesome, right? How many of you have ever watched any of those little YouTube videos where they do that metamorphosis, the caterpillar, the butterfly, and like, 15 seconds, it's like, boom, 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 and it's like amazing. Y'all ever seen that? I'm the only one that watches YouTube. Y'all help me out here. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? What's, what, what science has proven, when a caterpillar goes through metamorphosis, literally every cell in the caterpillar's body changes. Every cell in the caterpillar's body literally is changed, metamorphosized, when it goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Now, let me give you some good news today. Every cell in your body can be changed by the renewing of your mind. Your brain and your DNA can be changed by simply renewing your mind, changing the way you think. Because the key to victory is not behavioral modification. How many know that we have prisons that are filled with people who are living testimonies That modifying my behavior for 15 to 20 years does not change who I am. As a matter of fact, I think over 90% of the people in prison are repeat offenders because they did not change when their behavior was modified. They actually, in many ways, became worse than they were when they went into prison because they were introduced to a lifestyle and a thought life that changed them even more in the wrong direction. Behavioral modification is not the key to change. You have to change the way you think, and that's good news. Because when I look at my life sometimes, and I recognize something three years ago when I said, hey, i got to lose some weight. Man, I recognized changing my behavior was hard. (laughs) Man, I had to start eating stuff like broccoli. That's what I thought. But now I say broccoli, mmm, that's so good. Give me another salad, please. Can I leave the sauce off that barbecue? Because, boy, it is more healthy without all that sugar. You know what I found out? 
I found out the thing that had to change for my behavior to change. I had tried to lose weight. I had tried to get in shape. I had tried to change my life. But until I changed my mind, nothing changed. And I can look back now three years and I can tell without a shadow of a doubt, 100% with my hand held up, that today the key to the transformation that I physically saw in my life had 100% to do with the changing of my mind more than it did with the changing of my behavior. Once my mind was changed, my body followed. <laughs> and I actually began to love things I used to hate. I began to enjoy things I used to despise. I began to pursue things I used to run from. All because I changed the way I thought. And my daily confession became this. Father, I thank you that I'm losing weight and getting in shape. Every day I said that. Father, I thank you that I'm losing weight and getting in shape. Now I'm, now I'm saying, Father, I thank you that I'm losing weight and getting in shape. And I'm starting to build muscle. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that last part is my body's having a hard time catching up. But I'm working on it. The key to change is your thoughts. And that's good news because it's difficult to change your behavior. But you have the power through Christ to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. You can change your life because God has empowered you to change the way you think. So let's talk about that a little more. Look at that next point. Epigenetic modification. I just, like, I just like saying that. It's fun to say. Epigenetic modification is not a new thing. It's a new thing in the terms of science. It's been around for several years. And if you Google it and YouTube it, you'll find some amazing videos out there. I'm going to show you a really cool one in just a minute that I hope is going to bring some insight and revelation into what we're talking about and the power of changing your life by literally changing the way you think. But epigenetic modification is not a new thing. As a matter of fact, God defined it in Scripture. And God not only defined it, but God warned man of the negative, uh, warned man of the generational ramifications of our thoughts and our choices all the way back in the Old Testament. So what we're going to see today in Exodus 34 is that in Exodus 34, God actually described and defined and revealed what epigenetic modification is, what science now calls epigenetic modification. We typically call it generational sin and curses. But God defined it in Exodus 34, and God gives us an insight. He even not only defined it, but he warned us against the ramifications of what epigenetic modification can do in our lives if it's used in the negative. But we also see that it's the heart of God for it to be used in the positive. So look with me in Exodus 34. Listen to what the scripture says here. Moses is having this encounter with God. He's having this visitation from the Lord. And the Bible says, verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh the Lord. And so God is now revealing himself to Moses. And I want you to hear how God describes himself. Look what the Bible says. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Let's just stop there for a second. I want you to grab hold of who God is. He's not this angry guy in heaven who has lightning bolts in his hand waiting for you to mess up so he can strike you down. He is not this vindictive father 
who is waiting to punish his children. He is not a manipulator and a dictator who wants to put you under his thumb and cause you to do the things he wants you to do whether you like it or not. He is a loving, compassionate, full of mercy, pouring out his unfailing love to a thousand generations. He's a good, good father. And not only does he have compassion and not only does he have mercy and not only does he have unfailing love but the bible says that he also forgives come on somebody that's some good news he also forgives our iniquity our rebellion and our sin and i'd never noticed this before that little idea there iniquity rebellion and sin those three things are kind of the demonic trinity of what the works of the flesh and sin brings into our life but what i never recognized was simply this god forgives iniquity rebellion and sin those are the three things that are directly connected to our soulish realm the word iniquity means it means the sin nature it means the thoughts and desires that you have in your heart to do the wrong thing you ever had a thought to do the wrong thing <laughs> you ever had a desire to do something that you knew wasn't pleasing to God you ever felt those thoughts you ever had those desires those little promptings that seemingly come from nowhere and come from within well that's what iniquity is it's that it's that inner thought God says I forgive the thoughts of your heart that are evil and then there's rebellion how many know rebellion is just simply doing your thing and when God says don't do it rebellion is not ignorance rebellion is willful disobedience can somebody say teenager Well, guess what? You're not much better. God says, don't cross that line. You're like, what line? This one? It looks so fun over there, God. Rebellion is a willful act of disobedience. That's your will. You're a mind. You have a, you're a soul. You have a mind. That's your thoughts. Your will. That's where rebellion comes in. And then sin, simply to miss the mark. Think about your emotions. Have you ever had emotional... <laughs> disobedience where you got so angry you said something and you did something that you wish you hadn't have said or wish you hadn't have did or maybe even got so excited that you said something and did something that you wish you hadn't have did or maybe felt excluded or rejected and in that emotion of betrayal and pain you said something and did something that you wish you would have never done. Well, guess what? God forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. He's got a spirit, soul, and body covered by the goodness of his grace. Can I get an amen from somebody today? But then God goes on. God goes on. Look at, look at the rest of that verse. It says, but I do not excuse the guilty. Now, let me just say, when we read that, sometimes that sounds a little scary. But I'm just going to tell you something. One of the greatest attributes about God is that he is just. He does not excuse the guilty. How many of you understand if someone broke in your house and in cold blood killed one of your children, and then they stood before the judge, and the judge says, well, you know, this is their first offense. I think I'm going to let them go free. How many know you would say, that's not a just judge? That's injustice. How can he do that? That person took the life of my child, and they deserve to pay. God's a just judge. 
And the Bible says because he is just, he does not excuse the guilty. God holds us accountable. Aren't you thankful for the saving grace of Jesus Christ this morning? Aren't you thankful for forgiveness this morning? But look what he says. Here's epigenetic modification in Scripture. We call it typically in the church world a generational curse. God says this, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and the fourth generation. Now let me explain that to you because that word lay is very important. The word lay does not mean to punish. God does not punish the children for the sins of the fathers. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that every man will die according to his own sins. God will not punish the children for the sins of the father, nor the father for the sins of the children. So what does it mean? The word lay means simply this. It means to be given a place of authority to give influence over. And so what I want you to recognize is what God said here in Genesis 34 is that God said that literally, literally the sins of the fathers would be given a place of authority in the lives of their children. It would literally lay over or sit on top of what we're going to see according to epigenetic modification is the DNA. When you have consistent thoughts which produce consistent choices, it actually alters the proteins that are on top of your DNA. It doesn't change your DNA. It changes the way your DNA expresses itself. So you become engaged or disengaged from certain criteria or certain actions and reactions in your life. Now what I want you to see is this. God intended epigenetic modification to release the blessing of God from generation to generation. God intended that from one generation to another we would pass on the blessing of the Lord genetically into the hearts and lives and literally the physical bodies of our children. But when Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled against God, sin perverted the blessing and turned it into a curse. And so God, through his wisdom, wants to set us free from the curse of sin so we can release a generational blessing to our children that are to come. Let's watch this video together. Maybe it'll make a little more sense. What science has now learned, and it's so fascinating, is that the choices we make in life will alter how our genes are expressed. This is big. People need to really pay, sit up and pay attention to this. Because science is now confirming scripture. And in lectures that I do, I often ask the audience, which is more scientifically accurate, the Bible or Charles Darwin? Well, guess what? It's the Bible. Darwin hypothesized that it was mutation over millions of years that caused his finches to have different beaks. Science has actually now proved it's epigenetic modification. the instructions sitting above the genome telling the genes how to express themselves which are changed based on experience what we go through in life the foods that we use the choices we make uh, the environment in which we live will actually alter the genes in, in telling which genes to turn on and which genes to turn off what we know about genetics and addiction is that behaviors sensations input into the brain will use the DNA to change how the cell responds. 
And basically what happens is that genes are turned off or turned on based on what that response is. While the DNA doesn't change, the expression does. So the ability to be aware of environment, ability to respond may be genetically coded, but when we begin changing it, the term we use is epigenetically, when we change how that's expressed, we change the enzymes that are made, we change the response of the cell, and that change becomes a part of the genetic expression. generally with one exposure to pornography. It's the repetitive volitional exposure to pornography um, that will cause this type of uh, gene expression to happen, such that you alter your pleasure circuits and you alter the inhibitory feedback, which would tell you not to do this. And that's epigenetic modification, changing your brain function. When we have kids, we not only give the sequence to our kids, we will pass along the instructions two and three generations down. And so if we become addicted to stuff, we can pass along to our kids gene constellations that make them more vulnerable to addictions. Conversely, if we get victories over stuff, we can actually pass on advantages. There's good animal evidence that that change in expression can be transmitted to the offspring. Those enzymes, those mechanisms, those genes that are turned off may also be turned off in the next generation. So we can pass along both positive things in our life and or negative depending on the choices we make in life. And so the Bible is actually more scientifically accurate than Charles Darwin because we do pass down to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, the experiences that we go through in life based on the epigenetic modifications. They will get not only our genes, but the instructions on how those genes are expressed. Many adolescents will say things like, hey, it's my body, I can do what I want. Only if you're never going to have kids. If you're going to have kids, it's not only your body, it's your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids' body, too, so be careful what you do with it. Don't think of it as a, as a battle you're just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot, and your grandchildren have a better shot. My son's name is Jubilee because his dad took the courage to break the curses off of him. I want to invite you to do the very same thing for those you love. Pretty powerful when you recognize the reality of what is happening simply by the thoughts that you think, which determine the choices that you make. And here's the good news of the gospel today. You're not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're not a victim of your circumstances. You're not a victim of your genetic code. You're not a victim of the things that have been passed on to you. You are an overcomer through Christ and through the renewing of your mind, changing the way you think, you can break the change. You can literally rewire your brain and recode your DNA so that your life can be lived to the level that God created you to live your life. Amen? 
So let's talk a little bit more about this for just a second. So our thoughts, look at that next point. Our thoughts produce words and behaviors, which in turn stimulate more thinking and choices that build more thoughts in an endless cycle, which not only affects us, but our children. So it is the quality of our thinking, our choices, and our reactions to life that determine the genetic inheritance that we pass on to our children. And here's a little phrase that Dr. Leaf uses, our brain architecture. We literally can reshape our brain. You are the architect of your brain. Your thoughts reshape your brain. So all of a sudden we recognize something. We recognize that all of our thoughts produce behaviors that stimulate more thinking. And all of a sudden we're in this cycle that is literally reshaping our brain, recoding our DNA, and passing on either a generational blessing or a generational curse to those that are coming behind us. I love Luke 6, 34 or 45. Jesus is speaking in Luke 6, 45. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, right? So heart is not blood pumping organ. Heart is your mind. Out of the good treasure of his thoughts brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his thoughts bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of your thoughts, his mouth speaks. Let me tell you what I know about your mouth and my mouth. Uh, It will tell on you. Your mouth reveals what the dominant thoughts in your mind really are. When you think about the negative, the critical, the judgmental, the sarcastic words that come out of our mouth that poison our lives, that poison our families, that poison our world, all of those words are simply a reflection of the dominant thoughts that have ruled in your mind. I had a guy come to me several years ago. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I I don't believe there's anything wrong with cussing and using curse words. He said, they're just words, and we've assigned all these values and all these things to them. But at the end of the day, they're just words, and I don't think there's anything wrong with me cussing. And so I had this conversation with this guy, and I said, well, let me challenge you with this. Because when you're cussing, you're saying what we call a curse word. And how many know that when you're cursing something, it's not a good thing? The intent of your heart is not positive. When you say that blankety-blank-blank, blank, how many know that's never intended with a positive flair? <laughs> you never cuss out people that you're really excited about seeing them. You know why? Because the thought behind that cuss word is negative. It is toxic. It is poison. It is death. And it is disease. And here's the challenge. The challenge is not that your mouth is filled with cursing. The challenge is that your mind is filled with the curse of sin instead of the blessing of God. That's the problem. The problem is not the words coming out of your mouth. The problem is that those words that come out of your mouth flow out of the abundance of your thoughts. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you wonder why your life goes south instead of goes north. You wonder why things fall apart instead of ever come together. Many times it's because of the toxic thoughts that fill our mind that are robbing us, literally reshaping our brain and recoding our DNA so that we respond in a way that is detrimental instead of life-giving. Look at that next point on your outline. 
We take facts, experiences, and the events of life, and we assign meaning to them with our thinking. So basically what happens is your experiences in life, all of a sudden with your mind, you now define and assign meaning to those experiences. And we're going to recognize what that ends up doing in your life. So we are constantly reacting to circumstances and events. And as this cycle goes on, our brains become shaped by the process in either a positive good direction or a negative toxic direction. This is brain architecture. So your thoughts literally take up mental real estate in your brain that shape your life. Now, there's something we use in our encounters because we teach a session called Ungodly Beliefs, and we use this little cycle of death. They're going to put it up there for us this morning. And here's what I want you to understand. Every day you're bombarded by the circumstances and situations of life, and you have experiences. And how many of you know that everybody has some good experiences and everybody has some negative experiences, right? We all have different kinds of experiences. No one in this room is exempt from the negative experiences of life because we live in a world cursed by sin and you don't get to control other people's choices but here's what happens and we talked a little bit about this last week let's just say that you had a negative experience and you were rejected as a teenager and all of a sudden you had this thought and here was the thought you had to now define that experience so you were rejected you were betrayed you were humiliated and you had this thought I'll never be loved I'll never fit in I'll never be accepted. I'll never be loved. I'll never fit in. And I'll never be accepted. And what you didn't realize you were doing as a teenager and what you and I still do as adults, what you didn't realize you were doing is through your thinking and your thought process, you were actually defining your experience and creating a belief. You were creating a belief system based on how you in your mind defined your experience so if you had a negative experience and you were rejected and you thought I'll never be loved I'll never be accepted I'll never fit in if you're not careful if you entertain that thought long enough all of a sudden it became a belief system and you actually believe the lie of the enemy that you're not loved and you don't fit in and you'll never belong and all of a sudden out of that out of that belief system comes an expectation you know what expectation is expectation is simply continual thought See, if I expect to be accepted, then I think about how people are going to love me and want to be a part of my life. If I expect to be rejected, then I think about how I'm never going to fit in and how when I get to work today, they're probably going to be laughing at me and how when I go to church, nobody really talks to me anyway. Nobody wants to be my friend and I just don't seem to fit in anywhere. You know what expecta expectation is? It's simply repetitive thought. So when you have a belief system that contradicts the Word of God, you form an expectation which is continual thought. All of a sudden, it creates a behavior. Now, what's interesting about this behavior is it's not a conscious behavior. It's a subconscious behavior. Because you have now rewired your brain and you have now recoded your DNA so that you now respond to circumstances and situations without even consciously thinking about it. And I can prove it to you. Have you ever got, and we talked about this last week a little bit, have you ever gotten a stressful situation? Have you ever gotten a situation where you felt uncomfortable and all of a sudden you responded, right? Maybe you, maybe you yelled, maybe you screamed, maybe you withdrew, maybe you ran out of the room, maybe you hung up the phone, maybe you deleted them on Facebook, whatever it was, you made this decision. And immediately after you made the decision, immediately after you responded, you regretted it. Why did I do that? 
that's not really what I want. I really wanted to be their friend. I really wanted to fit in. I really wanted wanted to get to know somebody outside of my little circle that I've been living in for the last 25 years. And all of a sudden, you realize something. You made a decision and a reaction with your body that you never consciously thought about. You did not think, they are rejecting me. I don't like being rejected. I'm now going to leave. You never had that thought. You know what happened? You got uncomfortable. You got stressed, you got anxious, and you responded. And then you realize that that response was not a conscious level, it was a subconscious level. Do you know why? Because you've rewired your brain to respond that way. You've coded your DNA to react to that circumstance in a way that pulls you away instead of draws you near. And God wants to set us free. God wants to set us free from those subconscious reactions where we're saying and doing things, and then two seconds later, we're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I respond that way? Have you ever went into a situation you knew was going to be difficult, and you told yourself before you got there, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to respond this way. I'm not going to respond this way. I'm not going to respond this way. And they ended up pushing a little different button than what you planned they were going to push. And you responded just like you told yourself five minutes ago you weren't going to respond. You know why? Not because you're a bad person. But because your brain has been rewired by your thoughts. And your DNA has been coded by your thoughts so that you literally physically respond according to what you have trained your brain to do. But how many of you know today God wants to set us free? Come on, somebody. Look at this next point, and we're going to come back and talk about how do we break that. How do we break that cycle? Well, God created you for life and godliness. His promises enable us to partake of his divine nature, and God's word is the standard for our thoughts, empowering us to escape the corruption that is in this world. When we choose, listen to me today, when you choose God's promise over your painful experience, when you choose God's promise over your painful experience, things begin to change. Look what the Bible says, 2 Peter 1, 3-5. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. You can begin to walk in the life God created you to live. And escape the world's corruption that is caused by human desires. Look at verse 5. And in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Make every effort to respond to God's promise. How do I respond to God's promise? There's really only one way you can respond to God's promise. Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who seek him. You know what he rewards us with? The transformational power of a renewed mind that rewires our brain and literally changes our DNA. So look back at that cycle. 
So here's what has to happen in our lives. We have to have an intelligent decision. And you know what's good about you being here today? I can tell you're intelligent because you're in church this morning. Can I get an amen for somebody? And if you're watching us online, I can tell you're intelligent because you're tuned in. Come on this morning. We're glad you're here. You got to make an intelligent decision. Here's the intelligent decision you got to make. You got to recognize number one, everybody has negative experiences. I cannot base my beliefs on my experiences. Jesus, think about this Jesus lived a perfect life without sin, but his life was not perfect. See, there's a lie that we kind of believe. If I'll just do everything God wants me to do, my life will be wonderful. Wrong. If you'll do everything God wants you to do, your life will be godly. But it probably won't be wonderful. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was spit upon. Jesus was killed for a crime he did not commit. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. He lived a perfect life, but his life was not perfect. And if you have a perfect life mentality, you're going to constantly be frustrated with God. Because when you do the things God tells you to do and things don't work out perfectly and you suffer pain, you're going to be God. I thought if you said I'd serve you, things would work out. No, God said if you serve me, you'll be godly. (laughs) The goal should not be a perfect life. The goal should not be an easy life. The goal should not be a wonderful life. The goal should be a godly life. God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. I'm just going to tell you, a godly life is better than any life you can ever live. And there is joy, and there is pleasure, and there is wonder, and there's amazing things that happen when you live the life God has called you to live. But you've got to understand something. Number one, everybody has negative experiences, so I've got to make an intellectual decision. I cannot base my beliefs on my experiences. Just because one person rejected me or a thousand people rejected me does not mean I'm rejected. Just because I've never fit in doesn't mean I don't fit in i got to believe the truth of God's Word. I've got to grab hold of those exceedingly great and precious promises whereby I can partake of the divine nature of God. I've got to begin to renew my mind with the Word of God, and I've got to believe God's Word. And guess what? When I believe God's Word over my experience, I start having an expectation. I start expecting people to like me. I start having continual, consistent thoughts that I'm loved and I'm accepted and I do fit in and I do have a place. And God can use me. And I can, I can be a blessing to other people. I don't always have to be that problem person that creates tension in the world that I live in. And all of a sudden I start having expectation. And then I start having a behavior. Because guess what happens? When I begin to renew my mind with the Word of God, it begins to rewire my brain. It begins to recode my DNA. And all of a sudden I start having subconscious behavior that honors the Lord. Have you ever been around mature Christians? And have you ever noticed that mature Christians somehow automatically just default to doing the right thing? They get in a tough situation and they choose integrity. And they choose honesty. And they choose forgiveness. And they choose grace. And they choose love. It's amazing. It seems like they don't even think about it. They just automatically choose the right thing. You know why? Because they have renewed their mind, rewired their brain, and recoded their DNA so that they can respond subconsciously in a way that honors God. That doesn't mean we check our brain. We never check our brain at the door. It just means that we get to come to a place where victory gets to be a whole lot easier. (laughs) 
I'm just going to tell you, there, there's a place in your walk with God where the things that you're struggling with right now no longer have to be a struggle. I'm so glad. I've struggled with a lot of stuff, but I'm not struggling with that stuff. i got some new struggles today. Can I get an amen? Because <laughs> I'm still growing and he's still working on me. But all of a sudden, I begin to recognize I can get real victory as I turn to Christ and begin to renew my mind and break free from that cycle of death. So I want you to do this with me today. I want you just to close your eyes. And every Sunday, I do two things, and I'm going to do my faithful two things today. The first thing is simply this. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're born again. Jesus is Lord of your life. If you were to die right now, you'd spend eternity in heaven. That question has already been settled and sealed in your heart, and you know that you know you're a child of God. If that's you, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you this morning to begin to recognize and identify any of the lies that you've believed, any of the toxic thoughts and patterns that are at work in your life. And I want to challenge you to, number one, acknowledge it as sin and go to the Word of God this week and say, God, I want to know your truth. God, I want to be who you say I am. And I want to live the life you've called me to live. And I want to break the cycle that I'm in. I want to rewire my brain and I want to recode my DNA because I want to live the life you've called me to live. And today I can choose to control the thoughts that I think and submit them to you, God. So right now you maybe just need to begin to submit some thoughts to the Lord and begin to embrace the truth that God has already spoken over your life. And next week, let me just share with you, next week we're going to be talking about how you can really work this process. We're going to give you a 21-day process of renewing your mind and a 63-day revelation of what God can really do in your life if you will embrace this. The second thing I want to do, and I do it every Sunday, is simply this. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you realize you're not born again. You're not a Christian. If you were to die right now, you really don't know where you're going to spend eternity. You hope you're going to heaven, but there's no assurance in your heart that Jesus is really the Lord of your life. Then today, I want to pray with you. Today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you because all of this stuff we talked about today is useless and worthless if Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life. The foundation stone of everything that we talked about today begins with knowing Him. And if you don't know him, today is the day of salvation, and now is the appointed time. So if you're here this morning or you're watching online, you say, Pastor Keith, today's my day. I, want to, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day, and I want to make him the Lord of my life. Lordship means ownership. I want to give God control of my life, and I want to receive the gift that he offers, which is eternal life through faith in his son. If that's you right now, just raise your hand all over this building. If you're watching online, If you're watching online, just hit that little hand emoji. Just type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. As you raise your hand, our ushers are going to slip a little packet in your lap because we want to help you take that next step. But right now, this is your moment. Today, I want to be born again. Today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. We're about to pray. If that's you and you're in the room today, go ahead and slip your hand up. If you're watching online, just go ahead and hit that hand emoji. Because we're going to pray together. Let's do it right now. Everybody in the room, let's say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family. Come on, let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise today. If you made that decision either in the house or online, we'd love to follow up with you. There's a card on the front of the packet we gave you, and there's a link you can click on online to let us know today you prayed to accept Christ. We love you guys. We're so glad you're here. Have a blessed day in the Lord, and you are dismissed. Amen.